Hello, everyone, and welcome to this month's edition of The Good AV on Rave Radio. Um, I am, as usual, thrilled to bring you stories and products and ideas um, that really center around the, the, the focus of innovation and, and um, what's new and exciting out there and what is just basically good AV. So on that note, um, this month I get to speak with Richard Blackwell, who's the founder of Link2 Software. So welcome, Richard. Hi, Madori. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Um, and as usual, uh, as you all know, um, you know, we just really kind of talk about uh, what's happening in the AV industry. What 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 should people know about? You know what what do they need to be tied into? And I hopefully have become a resource for that. And I think that this topic today, you know, we're really talking about this transition of green to good and. I think that we as an industry have kind of lived through that and a lot of us, I think on a personal basis, have sort of kind of, un, you know, taken a more holistic view of what it means, um, you know, what that green AV concept really translated to. And I think um, what I, Richard and I are going to talk about today is how the human element fits into that equation. And so... Richard, if you would please just tell everyone a little bit about you, um, yourself, and just kind of describe the Richard Blackwell journey. <laughs> you know, it, it's like most everyone in the audience. Um, we all have a unique story on how we got here, and, and this was not my destination, yet here I am today, and I love every minute of it. Um, but 20 years ago, I didn't anticipate where I would be. And I began that um, by going into the military. Um, and some would say, you know, the, the government trusted you. And yes, they did. <laughs> uh, they put me in charge of their largest largest nu nuclear power plants. And so when I left the Navy, I was um, a propulsion plant supervisor um, for um, um, the, the two nuclear plants on board the ship I was assigned to. And uh, went to Georgia Tech. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I didn't get out once. I ended up deciding to stay again and, and circled around a second time there. And, um, and in that process, I discovered that, um, by the way, my undergraduate was in physics mm -hmm. and my graduate was in electrical engineering. I discovered that I liked software and I liked people. Mm -hmm. And I started a, a small company that was writing. Uh, audiovisual software, mm -hmm. and um, I, I enjoyed that. It was a lot of fun. One of the first companies I worked with was Scientific Atlanta, mm -hmm. and um, I, during that time, received the first patent for video conferencing integration. Wow. <laughs> so when you look out in the world and you look at all of the rooms that are out there today, I received that first patent, and it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. And um, I enjoyed every minute of it. And I look back to those days and say, wow, those were the, uh, that was definitely the Wild West going on then. <laughs> and, um, yep. So a little further down the road, I spent a little bit of time uh, with General Motors at their Saturn car plant in Spring Hill, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. And um, bringing technology online for those guys um, got, um, got interested in the web along the way as well, too, because any good developer at that point was, was thinking the web is it. <laughs> and I have to say that 
I'm on record in uh, somewhere around 1996 saying, I think the web is interesting, but I go anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> a number of my friends from that time period remind me of that uh, continuously. But what I was doing for General Motors was creating their first web-based management system for their assembly line. And so, again, I... I had the fortune to be in the right place at the right time and, and create something new and unique. And then I ran into a couple guys in New York that needed a technology partner. They had just started a business, and um, they were looking for someone to fill the gap. Um, a number of the industry people said, uh, a salesman and a marketing guy are not a company, not especially when you're not in technology. And so... They brought me on um, at that time. It was called International Video Conferencing in Long Island. And uh, we we soon after changed the name to IBCI. And I was with IBCI for a good long time. When I started, there were three of us. When, uh, when I left, we had over 100 employees spread around the, company, uh, the country. And um, we, had, we had done a lot. And I had seen a lot. And running technology for a fast-growing business, I, I got to put my hands on a lot of things and, and see the issues that we had, the problems that we had, and how we were going to grow. Mm-hmm. So when I left IBCI, I went out, I started a not-for-profit. I, I, I paid back society a little bit at that <laughs> time. And, uh, and, and, it, and, they, and as they all say, when you're in a company that's a not-for-profit, it's it's the, the job that you hate to love or yeah. you love to hate, you know, whichever way it goes. It was the most difficult job that I think that I've ever had mm-hmm. um, running a not-for-profit. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it, was, it was a nice uh, uh, parking for me for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, I got back into software, did, some, did software for a while around Crestron controls and AMX controls. And then I started linked to. And linked to where I'm at today mm-hmm. is um, uh, with a shameless plug here is a company we created a uh, software application that allows you to remotely manage all of your AV gear across the web and through firewalls. Mm-hmm. And so we're not a we're not really an automation product like say Crestron uh, Fusion would be or. Um, uh, you know, a high-end building product like uh, Tritium's Niagara. Mm-hmm. What we are is we're for service companies, and service companies need to talk to their hardware, and that's what we do. We enable them to talk to their hardware. So that's where I am today, and that's where you and I bumped into each other for the second time and I think, 10 years. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, and I think that, you know, I love hearing the stories. Everyone's individual stories are so unique. Um, but there's something, you know, I think that you show the depth of, of this industry, right? And how we have such just ver- varied backgrounds and how that brings a lot of um, color to the industry. And it brings a lot of you know, different ways of seeing things. There isn't a type necessarily, you know, they'll talk about the AV geek, but I don't know. I don't know because a lot of them, a lot of these people were rocks, rock bands, you know, traveling with rock bands. And I don't know if you'd call those geeks, right? So it's like, you know, I think that you really have all types. And um, so your story's great. It just, it's fun to listen to these um, human stories. 
And I think that you kind of show the depth of caring about more than just, you know, technology in the job. Like you said, your passion, what kind of fueled it was really around software and people. And um, so I think that kind of talks about, um, you know, what I prefaced in the beginning of the show about, you know, we, we both sort of, not just us, I think a lot of folks in the industry, you know, we were really active with the initial Infocom um, Green AV uh, uh, initiative, the, um, uh, task force. I couldn't think of the name there for a second. You know, um, I was on that task force and I know you were really active with the special interest group and we tried to share knowledge and keep that passion going, but I think it's really morphed into something bigger. And, um, you know, for me, like I said, it was just kind of seeing that you cannot separate this, the human from the either, you know, in some cases, the technology that we're building and creating. And in some cases, you know, like it was our green initiatives, right? We're, we're, we, and I think I wrote a column about this, about taking into account the human behavior. And I think that, you know, like automation and intelligent buildings, and, you know, we talked about the internet of uh, things a little bit, um, kind of puts that human back into the equation. And so, you know, love to hear more of your thoughts around that because I know you have some. <laughs> well, um, you and I, as you said, we, we first met um, talking about Green AV. And um, that was something when I ran across, I, I knew I wanted to be part of that. I, I, I didn't know what we all needed to do to make AV greener. Um, but I knew that I wanted to be part of that. And um, I, I think, though, I struggled. I think it was a struggle throughout that time period. There were several years there that I, I considered myself uh, um, um, immersed in, in making AV as green as possible. Um, but I think that, it, it, from my experiences, I ran into a number of hurdles. <clears throat> One of those was that I think much of the true greenness of AV was done in a layer under where uh, the, the AV integrators live. So the manufacturers, that's where the real green stuff takes place. Mm -hmm. Yes, some would say, well, you, you create products that minimize energy usage and, and are sustainable and recyclable and all of those things. But still, yeah, uh, the, the majority of that is done at the manufacturing level. And so I, I struggled finding areas to um, um, express my desire to, to be greener mm -hmm. in the AV world. And so I think I took a, a bit of a hiatus off of that mm -hmm. uh, for a while, but I continued with the side of, of people and being interested in people and, and doing more for people in what I consider a very difficult work environment. And, and I, I've been in a number of work environments over the years, and everyone out there will, will recognize this story of um, it, it's Friday afternoon, um, and you realize that the project that was supposed to be completed today, you still got six or eight more hours to go, and on a Friday night at midnight, you're walking out of a project, or next morning at 6 a.m., you're running down to the project to finish Ugh. it up, Yeah, and, and it doesn't <laughs> And once a year, it happens all the time. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. And so that was something that 
I felt we we've got to find a better way to not not only reward the employees that do this day after day, but find a way to reduce the the circumstances or or, or minimize the circumstances that create those situations. And so, as I as I moved along. I bumped into a very, very early conversation on LinkedIn about social impact on investing. Mm. And, you know, again, there I was. I found something that I thought was valuable to the community. Mm -hmm. And I, I felt it was something that would make a difference where I struggled with Green AV and having it be anything substantial in that and so how does that, that come about? That, that says that if you're acquiring a company mm-hmm. um, or you're investing in a company, then maybe you take a slightly less uh, profit at the end mm-hmm. and you apply a greater interest to the impact on the employees. And so when it's time to... When it's time to sell off that investment that you've just spent the last five hard years of your life uh, growing, perhaps you don't choose the the highest offer that's provided to you. Now, I'm I'm a capitalist in every way. Uh-huh. Don't don't suspect there's any socialism here at all. There's not. <laughs> that being said, though, the employees were were significant to making this a success. Yes, the the founders put their time and they. They put all of their money and resources and families on the line to create these things. But in a, in a workspace that's already very difficult, why not look at the, the spectrum of, of interested parties when you're selling and, and choose the one that's going to have the best future impact on your employees, those people you've spent so much time with mm-hmm. over the years. Don't leave with the biggest purse you can get. Leave, leave with something that is, makes sense. As I said, I'm a capitalist. You still want to make a, a, a profit for your time. But now let's let's ease along the way too. And, and I've put my, my mouth where my money is or my money where my mouth is. And um, the last company I sold, we, we turned a substantial part of the profits back into profit sharing with the employees and every employee got a bonus check mm-hmm. on the way out the door. And we had one employee that was there for a month. Okay. So he got the smallest check, uh, but that guy walked away with a $5,000 check wow. for being there when we sold the company. And I had key employees that, that made six figures. Mm. So I've done this, I've lived it, I follow up with it. And those relationships have benefited me continuously since that time. And I think that that's important in our workspace today. When you're working your staff so hard, mm-hmm. let's remember who they are when yeah. the time comes. So if you're investing, put your money in, in a, and invest in a way that's going to take care of the employees while you're taking care of your profits. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um you know, that just really kind of struck a, a chord with me. Um, I'm a huge fan of the Netflix work culture. Um, I think, you know, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with the uh, slide deck that describes what it is to work at Netflix. And I think I'll, I'll post a link to this because I think everyone should see this, um, whether you are 
an employee or a business owner, um, I, I just, or an aspiring business owner, um, the concept at Netflix is about, um, they trust that they are hiring the best people. So they are going to reward them with the maximum amount of compensation available. Um, and they give them complete autonomy in deciding how they should do their jobs as long as it serves the team. So they, they believe that they have hired the best people and they have found the best talent. And so, you know, one reflection of that is, um, you know, they always do offer top pay. But besides that, you know, there is no vacation time because you just take time when you need it. There's no, you know, filing for a day off. There's no, you know, it's if you need the time, we trust that you will just take it, take care of business and come back and do your job when you need to. Um, which I think is fantastic, right? Just that concept of um, flexibility, which uh, coincidentally is the number one non-cash benefit that um, employees are looking for across every generation. You know, we, we tend to tie this, you know, uh, this concept of, you know, better, um, you know, more flexible work and life life balance to the younger generations, but it's actually every generation in the workforce values flexibility more than anything else right now. And I think that that's just kind of taking care of the people who work for you. Um, you know, they are really the human capital that you have to work with. If you don't have the best human capital, it doesn't matter how great your product or service, well, really it's the service being delivered by the people, but how great your concept is or your product because there are people who will have to sell it and service clients, you know, and, and, and I just, I just think it's, it's fascinating to, um, you know, and I don't know, have you seen any examples of this currently in our industry? Do you see this ha occurring anywhere? No, not, not yet. Yeah. However, mm -hmm. the conversations uh, continue to take place. I've got a, um, an article that I'm about to publish on Rave, mm -hmm. um, outlining this again, and mm -hmm. um, I'll, uh, I'll probably push that out to LinkedIn as well at some point. Mm -hmm. And talking about exactly what you're saying there, that and, and you know, here's a great example. They they say that a happy employee or a happy customer will will tell two or three other people, yeah. but an unhappy customer will tell ten other people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it's always cost effective to keep that happy customer. Well, imagine if that's your employee that's unhappy. How do they reflect the, the company to your customers out there? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, well, okay, you know, that makes sense. Everybody gets that. Yet that's not something that, that we practice. And in, in, in the AV industry where it's already very difficult as it is, yeah. um, I think I think there's a lot of room for uh, increasing the general happiness. And, and that doesn't say that you, you're going to shoot your profits down. I yeah. think that you, it's a point of diminishing returns. And, um, you know, we're, we're in one of those situations where maybe if we back up a little bit, mm -hmm. we're going to get more from it. Yeah. Um, I think this also kind of ties in perfectly to um, – the idea that there is change, right? And I, and, and, you know, just for all listeners, 
uh, Richard and I will be doing another show because we're very excited to kind of talk about um, some of the what's coming next. Um, and I think that, you know, all of this, all of this push for change and, and, and the next, you know, and I, I mean, I guess a lot of this does kind of come from the next generation of workers, but it also comes from the technology that we sell to our clients, right? We, we're selling the concept of flexibility in the workspace, right? We, we're, we're helping to enable that. So we, as an industry should maybe try a little bit more of that, right? But, um, I think that it'll be really fun to kind of talk about the like the innovation pavilion um, that you helped spearhead at Infocom this year because I think my guess is that a lot of what's happening there in that within that dynamic will reflect um, this next uh, mindset or this this development right the next maybe it's an evolution is is a better um, term. Um, do you see, you know, and you can tell us a little bit about the innovation pavilion just, um, quickly. And then do you, I'm curious if you see some of a reflection of this new evolution there within these companies? Yes. So being an entrepreneur and that, that's certainly a personality type. And that, that tells people so much when you say you're an entrepreneur. Um, and so, um, <laughs> yeah, and, and it's true, and mm -hmm. it's true. So, being an entrepreneur, I recognize uh, the challenges of of small companies and young companies. And one of the things that I've recognized over the years is that the AV industry, we as an industry, we don't care for our young. We don't take care of them. We don't nourish them. We we really don't do anything to bring up technology within the industry. Yet there are other industries that do. And in a in a broader scope, if you look over at Cedia, um, there are there are young startup companies there that get you know a, a huge amount of attention because people want to see that new technology. Mm -hmm. In AV, we tend not to do that. So I I believe that innovation is not as is moving as rapidly as it could. Mm -hmm. And by, by nourishing our young, what I mean is, uh, well, specifically with Infocom, for instance, mm -hmm. um, I proposed the idea to Infocom that we create a small area with uh, eight or ten uh, uh, kiosk-type booths mm -hmm. that we would, uh, we would invite startup companies to participate in. And these companies would be those companies that are small, either pre-revenue or still low revenue, mm -hmm. and they need that little bump of attention, mm -hmm. uh, of, of marketing, and, uh, and, they, and it needs to be cost-effective to them mm -hmm. in order to, to, to do that. Com graciously latched onto the idea, took off with it, and created the Innovation Pavilion, and it was all startups, wow. all companies with new ideas, and, and it was great. It was it was a fun time. Everyone there, all of the the folks that were part of that, immediately uh, created our own community from within. And so, how do you do this? What do you think about this? Have you tried this? What about that idea over there? It, it it became something that when there wasn't somebody walking past our booth, you were talking to the other uh, participants in the innovation pavilion, and so we were learning from ourselves, and at the same time having a great opportunity provided by Infocom. And yeah. it was very low cost and, and very high profile. That um, that is so cool. And I 
So I think that that's what we'll talk about next time. We'll talk a little bit about kind of what the startups looked like. What was the innovation that was happening? Um, and then, you know, like uh, your article on the AV killer, you know, we'll, we'll talk about some of the more futuristic stuff and, and what's coming because I think that there's so much curiosity around that. And you're just making me, you know, kind of off the top of my head, you know, maybe we even kick around the idea of an uh, incubator, you know, for this industry because that certainly doesn't exist. Um, and there's some definite uh, potential there, you know, for investors. So, um, we, of course, are running out of time because that always happens with good conversation. Um, but is there anything else, you know, that you'd want to add or share? Um, obviously, we'll talk about some great stuff next time. But uh, anything, final thoughts? Yes. Uh, so the Innovation Pavilion, um, the idea you mentioned, Incubator, mm -hmm. that is, that's, that's part of the goal of mm. the Innovation Pavilion. So we'll talk more about that. Cool. And and looking out in the future as well, I want to say just one word, HoloLens. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, we will definitely have to dive into that next time. I think that there's a, a mind shift. So maybe our next, um, our next session, <laughs> our next conversation will really be about, you know, mind shift and the technology in, you know, sort of this innovation, the industry. Um, but it, it is so fun to talk with you. And I think that, you know, we'll have another great show next time. But um, in the meantime, thank you so much for your time and for being here with us. Thank you, Midori. It, always, it was a lot of fun. And, you know, we, we always, we chat and it never seems to be an end of the conversations. If this would go for five more hours, we would fill every minute of it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, no doubt about <laughs> it. And, and I'll, put, uh, I'll put a link to some of your articles and um, so people can find you, you know, because there may be startups out there who are listening that want to know more. So I'll be sure to, to post that as well. So thank you, everyone, and uh, for sharing your time with me. I hope you have found some value. If there's anything else you'd like to know about, always reach out to me if you have questions or comments or ideas or you have something that you think would be um, good for the good AV show, let me know. <laughs> <laughs>